everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. Thanks so much for joining us for a new episode of My Sporting Mind. We're proudly supported by SportingLife.com, the home of expert analysis and insight for racing, football, golf, and so much more. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Britain's leading high jumper, Morgan Lake, to the podcast. Great to see you, and thanks for joining us. I know you just got back from training. Yeah. So <laughs> my first question, I'm going to go straight in, because I... How are you doing in terms of the fact that you had Tokyo 2020, which I'm sure you've been asked and talked about a lot because obviously that was postponed and now it's hopefully 2021. Hopefully. Um, but you, yeah, hopefully. But you also um, just had the indoor championships postponed as well, which you were yeah. training for. So how are you dealing with those goalposts shifting all the time? Yeah, um, it's been hard. <laughs> it has been really hard. I think last year... It was also novel and it got to the point where you could see the pandemic was just getting worse and worse around the world. And for me, and I think a lot of athletes, we were just like, the Olympics has to be cancelled. There's absolutely no way it can happen. Obviously, we've trained so hard for how many years, four years since Rio. We were like, at the end of the day, like public health is way more important and we'd rather do our part in like keeping everyone healthy and safe. Um then also the other side of it was like, once we found out we were going to be in lockdown, our training was in our back gardens. We had no access to track, no access to any facilities. And we were like, we're preparing to have the biggest competition of our lives. And our training is done in our back garden. We were just like, this is just not what the Olympics is about. It's not, it's meant to be a level playing field. Everyone able to train the kind of like the same conditions and have the same opportunities and yeah, it just didn't make any sense that some countries are being completely locked down. Some people can even leave their houses, whereas some people like in Australia, say, have full access to training facilities. So I think once that was announced and that was cancelled, well, postponed for the following year, we almost like, like, okay, this is all right. We're just going to have to lock down and just do whatever we can um, and just hope that we have a summer season I think that's our first thing we're like oh we might get some competitions in the summer that kind of happened in a way and then we're like right everything is towards geared towards indoor season so started indoor season well started my winter training which is never fun it's all the hard grass stuff like the hills the circuits the longer runs but luckily enough we got back to our normal setups with like my coach and my training partners and physios and stuff so training this winter was great and I was meant to open up my indoor season the Sunday just gone and two days before the championship or two days before the competition we got told that well a we got first we got told that the British championships were going to be cancelled and they were set to be held in Glasgow at like the end of February so that was cancelled and that was it was funny because I was on the phone to my dad and I called him and I was like dad um they've cancelled the British championships and he was like well it's just like one of those things it was probably going to happen anyway and just had a long conversation about that and then I hung up the phone I was like too far I've still got a few more competitions left in the UK that's fine so hung up the phone then I saw a tweet from England Athletics saying that they were cancelling their events and I was like oh I was like dad my second competition's been cancelled and he was like right okay it's fine you've still got one this weekend like just everything you can just treat it as a, as a championships um, and I was like okay came off the phone and then I got another email saying the competition this weekend had been cancelled as well I just I just lost it I was like it's just so hard training for a goal which can just get taken at any minute and mm. it's one of the things we've never really had before I think 
beforehand you wouldn't do a competition say you were injured so you have in this competition but that was kind of like on your back whereas this just feels like a bit of a help situation like at any minute it could be cancelled so yeah it's been been hard (laughs) I can imagine it must be so frustrating and I know you were saying you're on the phone to dad and I mean I was smiling you were smiling but I can imagine in all seriousness it it wasn't really how you felt inside what what was you (laughs) how did you feel I suppose so it was funny at the beginning because I was just like this is just a joke like and then it got to the point a few hours later in the day and I, I just like I was overcome with sadness because I was like I've prepared so well for these competitions and yeah. for them to just be cancelled um was really hard especially seeing a lot of other sports go ahead as planned in the UK obviously I understand that like health and well-being and safety is the most important thing but it almost was like they hadn't thought of a plan b I think that was the most frustrating thing that most of the athletes have seen it's like we we train so basically the competition was meant to be in my training center which is they've made like they've tried so hard to make it a secure environment and we have to have like temperature checks every day and questionnaires and COVID tests so it's really really secure and that was where the competition was meant to be. So we kind of thought it was definitely going to happen because they tried so hard to make it secure and it was like last minute just written off. So yeah, that was quite disappointing, quite sad. And yeah, I just had the weekend. I was just like, am I going to have an indoor season? I think especially in terms of training, it's it's hard as well because like I peaked to compete on Sunday and my body was ready to compete. And it's like, right okay now I can't so it's almost like I've missed a few sessions because I had a bit of a lighter training week so then my my coach was like well we have to do a mock competition on the on the Monday which is it's great it's fun but it's it's not a competition it's it's not real so yeah at the moment we're just trying to trying to get some competitions planned there are some competitions in Europe which I could go to but the reason I'd chosen to do a UK season was because just to eliminate that risk of of traveling yeah. yeah and you mentioned peaking in performance because that's something I was so intrigued by because yeah. how on earth do you manage your peaking in the performance when your competitions are dropping and yet yeah. you said it in your own words that like you've got the biggest tournament of your life coming up yeah yeah it, 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it's I mean, I feel sorry for my coach as well. I obviously have to do our training program and he doesn't know when to push us um, just in case we get told there's a competition. All right, we've just moved the competition to this weekend or when to kind of taper us off and back us off so that we can compete. Um, and that's the hard thing as well. And it's physically, but it's also mentally. Like I had so mentally prepared for this competition, seeing the visualizations every night and just really getting into the mode of, on to the competition mode. And for that to just be, taken away it it was really hard because I was just like I've put so much effort into getting myself like my mind and my body ready for this competition just for it to be cancelled so yeah I think that that was a really big part of it as well the emotional part of it how do you make sure you reset that mindset then so you can compete in hopefully what's next and then hopefully Tokyo yeah um so I've got a mental performance coach and she's been an absolute godsend like <laughs> she's helped me so much um especially like obviously during the pandemic and just keeping myself motivated really um mm-hmm. like a long time she kind of said obviously I put my I put so much effort in the last few weeks getting ready for my first competition um so she was like give yourself the weekend off just don't think about 
just don't think about next week don't think about the competitions coming up just like allow yourself to kind of like reset and just so I'm not all firing and just like yeah just getting anxious and getting like worried and just angry about things she was like just give yourself it allows us to have reset just like read a book and just get your mind away from like almost like the athlete brain so that was really helpful and I kind of felt a lot more refreshed going into this week and just just kind of knowing that that competitions are going to happen hopefully at some point that was kind of the main thing it's just knowing that you haven't done all this work for no reason like there will hopefully <laughs> be some, some competition soon yeah, because I can imagine it's so much pent, pent up emotion and you, you're yeah. getting your nerves ready, your adrenaline and everything you need to be able to do that competition. And then when it's not there, it's almost like, what do you do with that? You yeah. said like the the athlete brain, yeah. <laughs> you kind of split the athlete brain and, you know, your personal brain up a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I do. I think that's one thing she taught me and it's been really helpful. Like, yeah, just kind of like not always being, not just kind of responding to things in in the same way just kind of like having two mindsets has been really important I think it's quite it's quite good to like just when I'm looking over my sessions and stuff and doing feedback and from sessions from competitions I find that really useful are you quite hard on yourself then in terms of feedback I've got better kind of nodded your head yeah (laughs) when I was younger it was um I was really hard on myself, but I've definitely got better as the as years have gone by, yeah. And what's the most important thing, do you think, the mind coach that you're working with, your performance mind coach, has implemented in you as an athlete, firstly? I think the most important thing has probably been to control the controllables, and that's been like a really, really big thing this year, obviously, when things aren't going to plan in terms of what you, you can't, things can't be going to plan. So it's, yeah, it's kind of re- reacting to things that I can control has been important so like the fact that this competition was cancelled like obviously it's completely out of my control so it's like okay what can I do to make sure that I'm prepared and like in case there's another competition coming up so yeah that's probably been the most important thing that's actually something I use all the time Mm. in my in my life and I'm not a professional athlete anyway (laughs) because I think it really helps to go okay I can't control this but but I can control you know, how I train or how I get up the next morning or the mood I'm in and blah, blah, blah. Um, And what about the most important thing you think you've kind of put in your own personal life that she's helped you work through? Um, Again, it is that same thing, but it's being able to have control over, over your life and not just reacting to things which like, yeah, I think reacting to things were the most important thing. Like I used to just react to things quite quickly and it's kind of looking at the bigger picture and just controlling what I can. And what about dealing with it in things when competition where things don't go your way? I remember watching you in Doha, you know what I'm going to say, and, and you basically, I think you tore your number off and you could see how upset and annoyed and angry you were. Yeah. I mean, what were you feeling through those moments and, and what have you learned from that? Yeah, Doha was a weird one. <laughs> Looking back at it, I'd had quite a turbulent year, just those things that happened personally and in my like athletic career as well. And looking back, I'm like, oh, I wish I just wish I hadn't I hadn't gone to that competition. So I really? put way too much pressure on myself to perform that competition where in hindsight I was definitely not in form or in shape to to be, probably even make the final. So yeah, that was a weird one. I think I reacted because I was just like already in that heightened emotional state where I was just mm. like everything's just going wrong but normally when competitions 
don't go to plan. It is hard because obviously you put so much you put so much effort into competitions. But then looking back at all the competitions you probably haven't gone to plan, obviously not every single one, but the majority of them, I can kind of look back and think I probably wasn't best prepared for that competition. But that's something you don't really see in the moment. In the moment, you think every single competition is going to go well. Um, especially I definitely did when I was younger. I just thought every competition I would get a PB, but unfortunately it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Um, and you you know you were saying about the ones that didn't always go that well what do you think you've learned along the way with those I mean if you when you look back at say Rio um, which you did incredibly well at you got a PB there and then you look at Doha which is interesting because it's almost like you can put that into context now because you said you'd you'd got other stuff going on in your life and you weren't best prepared you know what do you learn from those moments I think looking back at Rio I was just so I was just so happy to be there I think I didn't put any pressure on myself I was like I just want what well, I did I kind of did I was like I just want to go make the final which obviously is pressurizing in itself but but there was almost no expectation on you yeah exactly whereas with Doha I just put so much pressure on myself to to perform I think almost because I knew that I hadn't done the work for it. Um, just oh, yeah. like, I just any, anything I can to get me through to that final and just kind of went in with quite like a tense um, attitude, like a tense, yeah, just just been tense about it. So the thing I learned from both of those situations is as long as like you just know you've done everything you can do. And obviously there's someone going to have injuries. Sometimes there's going to be reasons that you can't. Um, but just never going into competitions feeling like, you're lacking because you've already put yourself down a level then so yeah just kind of like going to competitions and just thinking right I've done everything I can do so just kind of enjoy it um, there's nothing more I can do now so just enjoy it and give it your best and just do whatever you can on the day. How do you deal with that pressure and expectation because there's all there's a there's a lot of talk about kind of you and what what's expected of you and and this rising star and what we're potentially going to see in Tokyo yeah yeah I just kind of I've definitely got a lot better at dealing with the pressure and I guess the way of doing it is just like not thinking about it and just <laughs> until I bring it up <laughs> just saying there is no pressure and just kind of think like only I get yeah, again back to the control element of it it's like I've, I'm going to do everything I can do to get myself into the best position. And if that doesn't bring um, the best out of me and then like there's nothing else I could have done. So mm. yeah, for me, I'm just like, I'm just going to do everything I can do to put myself in, in the best position I can be and just, yeah, just enjoy it really. And t- tell us about visualization and some of the work you've been doing around that and, and what you actually visualize and what that looks like. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that I've been doing the majority of my life anyway and I've always been really yeah and I don't really know why I ever even started it It was just one of those things like when I was younger I could clearly remember going to competitions and just kind of like falling asleep in the car but just visualizing all my events because obviously I was a heptathlete when I was younger so I kind of like go through all the events in my head and like the track and like the crowd and everything and like really got all the emotions in um so yeah it's something I've been doing from like a really young age and I find it it's great, especially when you know what the arena is going to look like and what the track looks like, because then you can really put yourself in that position. So for the high jump, I just just visualise myself, obviously, like clearing the bar, go through my run up, and yeah, it's quite it's quite clear. And I think that's one of the things going into competition. I just do so much more of, and that's kind of when I know I'm getting into competition phase, when I just keep 
rehearsing my run up, rehearsing the jump. Do you think it makes a difference to visualize yourself winning and clearing? And do you think it kind of sets your mind up to do yeah. that with your body? Does it, do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah. I feel like it definitely does help. It just kind of gets your body into the state that it's already been there before and it's already done it. And I guess I kind of use it to help any sort of like competition anxiety, just so I kind of feel like I've been here before, I've done it before and it went well. I think that's probably the main the main point of it. I think it's interesting as well that you don't just, because when I asked you, I, wouldn't, I was thinking more of you visualizing running up and claiming the bar. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about the fact that you'd visualize the crowd and the arena yeah. and the track and the, yeah. you know, how much does that help? Does it just help when you kind of walk in, you're not, oh my God, there's so many people or? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's that as well. Um, it's weird because I remember, um, I don't even know if this is true or not, but I remember hearing that Jessica Ennis never wanted to go into the stadium before before a major championship because she just wanted to kind of get in there on the day and just feel the emotions fresh rather than already be there and know what it looks like and know where the crowd is. And I also found that really interesting because mm. it's I just kind of thought every athlete thought thought the same way. And it's so it's so interesting to know that so many athletes just go about competitions so differently so yeah yeah. do you think it influences you then in terms of the emotion in that stadium and and the crowd yeah I guess it allows you to not get distracted by by the stadium and by the crowd and obviously you can use the crowd like for high jump it's amazing to have a crowd because you get the claps and you get the atmosphere and that kind of brings that extra extra level in competition obviously like if you're going to a stadium and not expecting it to be completely packed out and really loud and you kind of just get encompassed by the atmosphere rather than what you're out there to do so yeah I guess that might be the reason I know that you um looked at Dame Kelly Holmes and she or you spoke to her and she gave you a little bit of advice she's somebody that actually when I was younger I massively looked up to and I remember when she won gold and um yeah. Yeah, I was I, I I was just um a junior athlete like yeah. on the track and I remember looking up to her so much and I and I know that she's spoken to you about the difference between I don't know how much psychology and the mind plays in performance can you talk us through that I don't think we've actually I don't know if I've actually had a proper conversation with her before. Right. Um, Let's sort that out then. <laughs> I know. Um, I've listened to her on a lot of podcasts, but yeah, she was one of the biggest inspirations for me growing up. I think that w- seeing her win in Athens was the moment where I was like, I want to be an athlete. Like, yeah. this is amazing. Just seeing how, how everyone reacted to her, the crowds, the public, like everyone. I was like, wow, that's absolutely amazing. And just seeing how much it meant to her as she crossed the line yeah I was like wow I'd love to kind of feel that emotion one day so yeah she's she's a huge huge role model for me As the UK's biggest horse racing website, join Sporting Live for the very best coverage of the Cheltenham Festival. Follow all the action with a live race blog, daily previews and free race replays. Plus, you can get all the inside view from the festival from Willie Mullins, Darrell Jacob, Alex Hammond and Ed Chamberlain. Visit sportinglive.com or download the app now so you're ready for the Cheltenham Festival. I know you've been studying psychology, so you've had that 
um, you're in your final year, so you've added that to the pile and everything else of the one minute is the competition, one minute is there's not. And I can imagine studying's being strange. Um, but do you implement the things that you've learned in psychology into into your life and performance? Yeah, I do. I think a lot of the things I was doing anyway, I'm now learning about in a way like mental imagery right. and visualization and stuff. Something I just kind of did and didn't really understand the effects of it and then actually learning about it and like neuroscience and just understanding like the parts of the brains that fire when when you like do imagery and I think that encourages me to do it more because I actually realize there is like a scientific benefit of it um so yeah it's been been really interesting but yeah yeah in final year I've got exams next week and I was kind of hoping I was competing this weekend because I got a 24-hour exam on Monday and I was like oh it'll be a rest day but now it's a training day (laughs) (laughs) you got a 24-hour exam yeah it's really weird um it's I think it's because they're remote and people are from are going to be in all different parts of the world right and rather than just giving us a two-hour exam window they've given us what a 23-hour exam window instead so yeah, it's it's all it's all just really odd at the moment. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and with yourself, do you feel do you get any kind of self doubt or yeah yeah? I think I, I've asked so many athletes that, and I think everybody says the same thing. I, I mean, I think everybody does in person as well. Yeah. How do you combat that? Because I think when I've worked with young people, it tends to be the thing that they ask me and you're kind of like, yeah, how do you overcome that and try and impart advice to somebody who's younger, right? How do you deal with it? Um, I think, obviously I'm not an expert in dealing with it, (laughs) Um, but I think the way I try and deal with it, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the way I try and deal with it is kind of just looking at the facts and just so say I'm like, have a bit of doubt going into competition or doubt over, say I've had an injury or something and doubtful that I'm going to, come back and be able to train and compete the exact way I want to and had before um yeah it's just kind of like looking at the facts and just thinking right well I've put myself in position to do all the training I can and just do everything in my power to make sure it goes well or I could do the best of my ability I think mm-hmm. say with like an injury if you're doubtful you're going to come back the main thing is like I'm going to go to the physio and gonna like get that kind of like external validation as well that I can do it so yeah, I guess a bit of external kind of helps as well yeah because it's about whether that that voice in your head sometimes isn't necessarily true it's just yeah. the thing that's doing the what ifs right yeah but it isn't actually like a fact yeah and and you mentioned in an earlier answer heptathlon you said that's what you did when you were younger um is that something that are you going to stick with high jump now or is that something you're going to look at getting into because I think you know I saw an interview with you a few years ago where you said it was potentially something you were going to do yeah, I'm still a little bit undecided. Like I go through phrases where I'm like, I'm definitely going back to heptathlon. And then I go through phrases where, where I'm like, mm, I definitely want to do more than just high jump. Like I absolutely love it. But I think from going from a multi-event background to just one event was hard. Like, And it still is a bit hard because I just love everything in the sport. And I feel like I just haven't really fulfilled my potential in other events as well. So I'm not sure if I'm definitely going back to heptathlon. Um, I'm definitely 
going to stick with high jump and then hopefully a few more events with that in the coming years. Does that affect how you approach high jump though? Do you know, because you kind of like, oh, you know, I feel I should do other things and I've got potential to do more events and because you're, you're multi-skilled across different disciplines. Yeah, it's definitely something that has, has been a problem in the past. Like the thing with heptathlon is like, obviously you've got seven events. So if one event doesn't go well, you're like, right, okay, on to the next one. Yeah. And it's a really, it's a great mentality because it's not like an all or nothing. It's like, right, okay, I'm going to do as well as I can in this one. If it doesn't go well, oh, well, I've got, I'm going to the next one. If it does go well, great. I've accumulated some great points, but still I've got to go on to the next one. I think mm-hmm. my brain has kind of been wired into that, right, onto the next thing. Whereas in hygiene, for competition hasn't gone well. And I think that's why I've probably reacted so strongly in over the past few years to like one bad performance is because for me, I'm like, that just feels like the end. Whereas before I was like, right, okay, I've got six other events to kind of, rectify myself so yeah I think it has in the past but now I'm just thinking right okay I'm just putting everything I can in high jump and that's kind of like the main thing so yeah I've definitely got better better at it that makes complete sense you know when you were talking through it because obviously you've done that from a young age whereas I think it'd probably be different if you went from like a single discipline to Mm -hmm. doing seven different ones yeah (laughs) um so looking towards Tokyo Mm -hmm. it must be it must be hard for you. How are you viewing it? Because some people are saying that they're just blocking it out of their head that it might not happen. And some are preparing for that. So then it's not a surprise if it doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's such a hard one. Like Again, this week yeah. when everything was cancelled, there was then more speculation about Tokyo. And I think the headline was like, government officials says that Tokyo is 100% been cancelled and they're preparing for 2032. And I was like, yes. (laughs) It was just such a hard thing to hear. And I think it it was on quite reputable news sources as well. So it wasn't just like some random tweet. Um, So yeah, it was, that was like, I hadn't even, I mean, obviously the thought had gone through my head, like it may not be on this summer and the closer we're getting to it and the worse the situation is kind of getting, the more, people are thinking is it going to happen is it not going to happen but I guess for me I'm like that's just wasted energy just thinking of having to think about is it not going to happen is it going to happen it's just wasted energy so for me I'm just like right I'm just gonna do everything I can to I mean firstly I haven't even qualified yet so for me I'm like right the first thing I need to do is qualify for it um there's no point just carrying on talking about an Olympics if I'm not even on well hopefully going to be there but um that's probably my first priority but yeah in my head I'm like it's 100% gonna happen I know that might be a bit people be like oh but it's not 100% gonna happen I'm like, I, I obviously know it's 100% I obviously know it's not 100% but for me it's so much easier to go through training and do, go through competitions thinking that it is definitely gonna happen yeah you've got to have that in in your brain so yeah. you give it everything yeah you talked about qualifying so how's that going to work Mm -hmm. Um, because the competitions keep dropping in the lead up and how important is it to have competition in the lead up yeah I think that's that's the hard thing because like I kind of felt in a really good position to compete and hopefully like the qualifying is one centimeter below my pb um so it's going to be it's going to be like tough to to jump it but I kind of feel like I'm in a position where I've been doing everything I can to kind of get me there so 
yeah, that's the kind of the next battle is because it's not on me. It's not on my ability now. It's on can I get access to a competition? And we've got European indoor champs in March. So obviously we need to qualify for that as well. And the qualifying for European indoors is, is, is the exact same height as it is for the Olympics. So again, that's going to be, it's going to be a push and it's going to be, um, yeah, we need the competitions. We need the opportunities to allow us to, um, to qualify. <laughs> Luckily for field events, you can qualify indoors as well. Whereas obviously like in 100 metres, you can't do 100 indoors. So for us, we're quite lucky that if we jump indoors, it does count for an outdoor qualifier as well. So yeah, hopefully these opportunities will crop up. So just got to keep keep ready for when they when they eventually do. You know, Morgan, you said, um, oh, you know, I've still got qualified yet and, you know, it's going to be a push, but... Do you really, in your heart of heart, know that you are going to qualify? I hope I am. <laughs> like, I hope I am. I think there's a lot of things. I've had a really good winter's training, so I'm just, like, really happy with how that's gone. I'm hoping that I can qualify and obviously thinking, like, if, if the day goes well, that I can. Um, obviously, nothing's nothing's certain, but, yeah, basically. I know you can't. You probably don't want to kind of put it out there too much. Um, what do you think? Do you think that you know hopefully the athlete that will turn up you know providing you qualify and it goes ahead in Tokyo is different than the one that would have turned up last year at 2020 in terms of what you've learned over lockdown because I at the very beginning of conversation you mentioned you know the lack of facilities which I think must be so much harder for a high jumper than somebody who's a runner because of the skill involved in what in what you do how much have you learned during that period and what what's the difference in the athlete and the person, you know, the Morgan Lake that turn, would have turned up in 2020 to the one that will turn up hopefully in 2021? Yeah, I feel like completely different. I think after after Doha, I was pretty burnt out and I was just kind of like questioning if I still wanted to kind of like do the sport and do high jump anymore. I was just really, I was just so so upset by that 2019 year I think because it starts on such a high I jumped 197 in my first competition and I was like right it's going to be the best year and then it kind of just had injuries and family things and I was like this is just this has just not been the year I thought it was going to be and yeah after Doha I was just like okay I just feel completely burnt out but I was like I just need to be in Tokyo like whatever happens I just need to be there and every session it was all about it was literally all about the Olympics. Everything I was just wasn't really enjoy, enjoying training. Everything was just very pressurized, and everything was just kind of like a push, just so I could qualify and make the team. Whereas once it got postponed and things kind of settled a bit, I had such a different mentality going into this winter. I was like, I just want to enjoy training again. I just want to enjoy competing and just not put pressure on myself. And I think that's allowed me to have a like a really good indoor. Um, winter training period and just been a lot a lot more relaxed attitude going for the prospect of the Olympics I'm like I'm just going to do whatever I can and if that equates to a qualifying if that equates to the Olympics then that's amazing and like obviously that's that is my ultimate aim to to be there um this year but yeah just not putting that same amount of pressure on myself has been really important yeah that's understandable and you, you can see if how after that performance in Doha, you kind of had those questions, but then also it was almost like, well, no, I'm going to prove it in, yeah. in Tokyo. What made you go, no, I'm, I do want to do this and, and I am going to continue? What do you think it was? What drives you? 
Yeah, I think it was just kind of time, to be honest. I think it was it was hard because Doha was such a late championships in the season. So usually you kind of peak around August time. And I think it was late September, early October, yeah. Doha. And then you had a really short um, winter training block straight into indoors. And everything just felt so rushed and like you never really got a break. So for me, I felt like I never really deloaded and just kind of had that had that break to kind of love the sport again and love the event again. I think having a bit of time off and just that the world kind of stopped in lockdown one and just having that reflection on the sport and just how much I loved it, that was probably what brought it back again. Yeah, because I imagine you don't get a lot of time and that was almost like forced time, I think on a lot of us as well. Um, So to wrap us up, what would you say to any young athlete out there as advice? Mm -hmm. Probably the main bit of advice kind of advice I'm giving myself now it's just kind of enjoy yourself and just enjoy every minute of it and just do as much as you can when I was younger I just did every sport I could just netball tennis hockey everything I could do and just kind of found the enjoyment in sport and then specialized as I got older so I think yeah the main thing is just to enjoy it and make that the priority and then kind of like specialize in what you want to down the road How did you get into um, heptathlon and then high jump then if you did so many different sports? How did you narrow it down? So I got into, I was doing a lot of sports, but athletics was always the one that I enjoyed the most. I was doing swimming quite a lot, but obviously that was quite taxing on my body, like waking up early mornings and swimming and then trying to do athletics in the evening. It was just, they just didn't complement each other. So I stopped swimming and just was mostly just doing netball and athletics. But yeah, athletics was always the route I wanted to go down. And obviously, heptathlon just being so demanding, I was like, I'm going to have to stop netball at this point and just carry on with athletics. And yeah, I was doing heptathlon multi-events until until Tokyo. I was actually trying to qualify... Um, Tokyo. till Rio. Um, <laughs> I was trying to qualify for the heptathlon in Rio, but... I didn't I didn't make it that year and obviously got there for the high jump instead and then ever since then I've been doing high jump at the major championships still kind of doing heptathlon training but in 2018 I decided just to focus on the high jump and hopefully come back to heptathlon at some point. And and what advice would you give to anyone out there at the moment that I don't know maybe goalposts are moving quite a lot things are really uncertain I think that's a lot of us at the moment um would it be is there anything else other than control the controllables that you've learned in your time as an athlete so far very young athlete and also with the performance mind coach or is control the controllables the one thing that you would advise people yeah, obviously that, but also, I guess, having smaller goals as well, not just having that huge long-term goal, just having small short-term goals so you can kind of feel like you're achieving things on the way to that big goal. And it can, that can literally be anything. So I think that's quite a nice way of looking at it and just, yeah, just kind of feeling like you still are accomplishing things and you still are making progress, even if the bigger kind of goals are changing (laughs) yeah that makes complete sense I do exactly the same thing yeah otherwise I think you're kind of so focused on the big fat mission at the end of it aren't you that you know you you don't realize the steps to get up to there and one final thing I have to ask you I normally finish on that question but what goes through your mind Mm -hmm. when you do hear that and then it gets quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker Is anything go through your mind when you're about to jump? Um, So before I jump, I guess that the claps and the extra energy, I'm like, 
you just kind of feel like everyone wants you to clear the bar and it's just like <laughs> everyone is there helping you so yeah the claps are really really important because it just yeah it gets the extra energy levels and just everyone you just kind of feel like everyone's backing you everyone wants you to to succeed and it's like yeah a really nice environment good did you like my attempt at trying to do it <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Morgan. It's been absolutely great to speak to you. Thank you so much. I'll give you a, a little clip now. And then um, good luck as well. Thank you. And I hope that you, I'm sure you will call the fan. I really hope that it does go ahead. Um, and good luck as well for Europe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thanks, Morgan. I hope you're enjoying the series so far and you enjoyed listening to Morgan there. And there's loads more episodes coming up. Make sure to subscribe so they go straight into your podcast feed. And remember to visit sportinglife.com ahead of the rest when it comes to unbiased opinion and sport analysis. And remember, you're not alone if you're really struggling. You can reach out to charities such as Mind, The Samaritans and Sporting Mind. And if you don't want to call anyone, you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. And you can always contact me as well on Twitter or Instagram. Take care and we'll speak again soon.